The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, oh, the word is fun. Seriously? Seriously fun. And the context is fun at work. Let me get started. Employee engagement is at its highest level since Gallup started tracking this important metric way back in the year 2000. I know the new millennium. I know we weren't sure anything was going to happen when the clock struck January 1 on 2000, but here we are. Well, that's the good news. But what's the truth? Well, maybe it's time for truth. Less than one-third, and that calculates at 31.4%, those of you who love the numbers and the decimal points, 31.4% of U.S. workers said they were actually engaged in their jobs just last year in 2014. Let's talk about what this means to your company, wherever you are in our global listening audience. Your company's success in what we now all accept as a global and highly competitive economy may be less reliant on your strategic investments. You know you're putting money into technology, you've got your acquisitions, You've got your mergers, you've got all your new products, your fancy services or not so fancy services, but it may be more reliant on how you treat your employees. Yes, remember the golden rule. We'll talk about that later. So the big topic question today is, does it help your company, your company's success to create an atmosphere of fun, there's that word again, fun for your employees, the ones who are on site, the ones who are working virtually, and everybody all together, however you gather them. The answer, here. here's the answer, listen up, three words, well, that depends. No, it's not a joke, it's true. So we've amassed a panel of three experts who are in the trenches, and they have all kinds of expertise and experiences and cases to share with you so we can figure out what's this thing called fun and do you dare allow it in the door in your workplace. First up on the panel, I'm pleased to welcome Tom Kalopoulos. He is chairman of the 25-year-old Boston-based think tank Delphi Group. And here's a quote from Marshall McLuhan. Just let me give a little background here. McLuhan uh, lived from 1911 to 1980. He was a Canadian philosopher of communication theory And he is best known for coining the expressions, the medium is the message. I know a lot of you have heard that. The global village, yes, that came from McLuhan. And get this, everybody sit down, take notes. He predicted the World Wide Web almost 30 years before it was even invented. OMG. Here's the quote. Anyone who tries to make a distinction, excuse me, between education and entertainment does not know the first thing about either. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you? Bonnie, I'm great. Thank you for having me on. 
Thank you. Interesting quote, McLuhan. Wow, he predicted the web. Is that before Dan Quayle did, or Dan Dan Quayle invented it? But McLuhan, I don't know. I'm getting my facts mixed up. Tom, talk to me. Al Gore gets the credit, I believe. Was it Al? Oh, I thought it was Dan Quayle. I've got all my verklempt vice presidents mixed up here. I'm sorry, Mr. Gore. We owe him something. So, Tom, fascinating quote from McLuhan. Talk to me. How did this quote get on the show about employee engagement and fun at work? Yeah, well, so Marshall McLuhan was clearly well ahead of his time in so many different ways. But one thing he understood intimately was that if you want to get people to appreciate something, understand it, absorb it, then you've got to entertain them. Anyone who's been an educator who's taught in any capacity, whether it be as a parent or in front of a classroom or at a seminar, whatever the platform might be, understands that once you lose the attention of your audience, you have no chance in being able to educate them. And that applies to leadership. If we want to lead an organization, if we want to engage people, we have to find ways to entertain them. Now, we don't like these words, entertain and fun. They're not business mm-hmm. terms, right? That's so right. Let me give you a, let me give you a surrogate, Bonnie. Let me give you a different, different term that I think makes a little more, it's a bit more palatable. What if we just talked about flow? When I've been part of really great organizations or great teams, there is this flow, there is this sense of connectedness in the organization that allows us to work spontaneously in, in a manner that's almost unnatural. It, just, it, it, it works so well, it's so coordinated that um, we couldn't script it any better. That sense of flow is what you're talking about when you talk about fun. And I don't care if it's a sports team or if it's a startup or a large company. You know when you're in that flow, and that flow only happens when you're engaged. And that's why I love this quote by Marshall McLuhan, because he says, look, you want to engage me? Entertain me. Bring me into the flow. And ultimately, if you don't do that, you will not engage your employees, and they won't all be be there. They won't be fully there, not, not present, not able to contribute what they could contribute provide their brilliance, their creativity, whatever it is that they bring to the table. Engagement is about developing a connection with someone, bringing them into that flow, and I think McLuhan understood that very, very well, because as educators, as leaders, that's what we have to do. Thank you, Tom. Great intro. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking of the word gamification, which has gained popularity in the education field, in the work field. And we talk about different types of employees, different parts of the spectrum. I think we all know by now we've got five generations working hopefully well side by side in the workplace all over the world now. Things have changed. Different people learn different ways, different paces. And they're saying that gamification is something that the millennials, that dirty M word, they are demanding but that maybe the older workers are coming to appreciate. Any quick comment on that before I bring on our second guest, Tom? You know what I would say? Yeah, very quick comment. Let's forget about generations. Let's, let's discard the generational mythology. That is an artifact of the 20th century. We're all using the same technology, same platforms. We all love to be gamified because that brings us into this notion of flow. You know, my son is 16. He doesn't care whether you're 40, 50, 70, or 80 when he games with you. All he cares about is that you have the skills, the talent, and the ability to play the game. So generational fiction, artifact of the last century, the notion that we've got five generations working together means that we've got to get beyond a lot of these very old antiquated ways of thinking about the workforce. If you want to engage people, as you said, you engage them by appealing to their, their deep motives, and gamification is one of those deep motives we all love to game no matter how old we are. Wow, that was a mouthful. I'm quoting you on Twitter. Generational myths from the 20th century. Let's discard them. Re workplace. 
segments. Get rid of them. I want to say trash, but I don't want to use that word on Twitter. Somebody might take it wrong. Thank you, Tom. I'm clearing my throat here. A little bit of allergies here on the North Shore of Long Island. What can I tell you? Let's bring on our second panelist. She is the genius who brought us this topic, and she has been on the show before. Uh, Her name is Sherry Ann Meyer. She is currently, and many, many versions of her resume updated. She's an expert for human resources, business processes, and technology at America's SAP Users Group. We finally know that is ASUG, A-S-U-G. And Sherry Ann used to send me quotes back in the old days, about three years ago when she was on some of our other radio series. She used to send me quotes, I believe, from The Wizard of Oz. But Sherry Ann has updated her sites and turned them to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, 2004, screenplay by Stephen Cloves. And the quote right now is from Professor Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. That's all I'm going to say, and everybody may know him as the headmaster. <laughs> Sherry, I did my homework. The headmaster of the Wizarding School, Hogwarts. What can I tell you? Here's the quote. Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. Sherry Ann, you send the best darn quotes. How are you, my friend? I am doing great, Bronnie. It's great to be back here. Um, and my quote today from Wizard of Oz, if you need one of those, is, gee, if I only had a brain. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I could count on you. Well, you do. You do. And by the way, this is the first of a triple threat three-week series on employee engagement on Coffee Break with Game Changers. I wanted to give you credit for bringing me the topic, Sherry Ann. So talk to me about Dumbledore. What does he have to say? Uh, well, you know, first of all, you know me. I love all these children-type movies that really we adults enjoy uh, because they are fun. Um, and I love Dumbledore's quote about happiness. It was especially important to me. And working with um, a, a high-powered organization and the organization I'm with now, there can be a lot of stressful times. Um, having worked in technology, there were times when the system totally crashed. And the thing I learned the most from my coworkers and people that worked with me and for me was that that laughter in the workplace made us relax. And if you were relaxed, you could think better and you could solve the problem more quickly. Um, so I think laughter, humor is very important to the quality of my life. And I think it's really important. I personally have a mission to make everyone understand that it's important to understand different types of humor as a diversity issue um, and that it's okay to not only bring your authentic self to work, but for that authentic self to maybe not always be so stuffy, but to be kind of silly. Mm, I <clears throat> I think that's one of the underlining philo- underlying philosophy, Sherry Ann, of our approach to business talk radio here at Coffee Break with Game Changers, and I think you know that, and that's why you're here. Thank you so much. Great topic, and uh, I, I love the references. Thank you so much, and I learned something about Professor Dumbledore. I might know some people <laughs> I want to use that name on down in the future. Thank you, and let's bring on our third panelist. He is Frank Sophia. Chief of Staff to the EVP of HR at SAP. That's another very long title. And Frank has sent me a marvelous quote from Dale Carnegie. And by the way, a little trivia, Dale Carnegie was originally a Dale Harbison Carnegie, born 19, oh, let's see, 1888, lived till 1955. But more important, his name was spelled differently until 1922. It was spelled C-A-R-N-A-G-E-Y. He was the author of How to Win Friends and Influence People all the way back in 1936, a massive bestseller that remains popular today. He also wrote How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. I think that could be the subtitle of this show, How to Stop Worrying, Start Living and Work with More Fun. Maybe that's it. Here's the quote. 
people rarely succeed unless they have fun in what they're doing. How appropriate. Frank, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, Bonnie, and yourself? Very well. I'm very well now that you're here, and you're very well. So let's get your party started. Talk to me. Dale Carnegie. I don't know if we've ever had him on one of our Coffee Break shows, but I'm delighted with the quote. So tell me how this applies to our topic. Yeah, so I I love this quote, uh, particularly because it's really my true north, true north quote from Bill George, if you read the book. And, you know, for me, it really comes down to how you define fun. And I define fun as value creation, right? It, it comes down to meaningful work. And everything we do, um, in my opinion, you know, in, in work um, should and ultimately create value for ourselves, but also create value for our customers. So if I think about the question at hand, should work be fun? Well, that depends. Well, for me, it doesn't really depend. Um, there should always be a reason. There should always have meaning in everything that you do. So this is my true north. I love the quote. I use it all the time, and it was a perfect use, I think, for uh, for the topic at hand. I agree. Thank you, Frank. And you're making me think back to a time when I worked for a company that's no longer around, but it was a correspondent bank in New York, and it was created after the crash in 1933, and we served the back office needs of the savings banks all over New York State. And I remember going from whatever I started out as there to becoming their their one-person marketing department for the whole bank, damn it. But I remember soon after I was hired by a guy who said, Come work for me. We'll have fun. And then one day we're all rolling up our sleeves, getting ready for a big customer presentation. And he looked around all of us at the table. It was after five o'clock. And he said, listen, guys, he said, we spend more time at work than we probably do waking hours at home during the week. So if we can't have fun, why bother not even even being here? He said, roll up your sleeves. Let's put together this presentation. We're going to order in some dinner. And everybody just put a smile on your face. And you know what? It worked, Frank. Would you agree with that? I completely agree. I mean, everybody wants to work for a higher purpose, right? And, and uh, you know, it's, it comes down to, you know, what I'm working on, will it bring value to whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish? Now, we talk a lot about fun, and there's the Googles and the Zappos, et cetera, out there, and, you know, the beanbag chairs, the rock climbing walls, the slides down you know, from the third floor to the first floor. I mean, these are all fun things, and it creates a fun environment. But in the end, it comes down to, you know, is there a higher purpose? Are we all aligned to that higher purpose? And the example you gave is perfect, right? It's, it's late. You want to go home, but we're going to roll up our sleeves and get work done. And it comes back down to, are we, are, is what we're working on meaningful to us and meaningful to our customers? Great. Thank you very much, Frank. I, I agree. I agree. And by the way, we want to welcome tweeter Karen Geraldo, who's a big fan of the show. And she wrote down on Twitter, by the way, we're tweeting at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. You know what that spells. She says the most productive and best parts of any day where we, when we are in flow together and we all love to game, no matter how young we are. She says, I know she's a grandma like I am. Thank you, Karen, for capturing some words of wisdom here. And we hope we'll get more tweeters at hashtag S-A-P radio. Let's circle back to Tom. Tom, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Colopolis? Is that right? You are pronouncing you better than I did for the first time uh, <laughs> of my life, actually. Yeah. <laughs> A little running start here. Uh, okay, Tom, you know you're up first on our What's in Your Cup today. This is our fun, or shall we just say this is our flow statement. I like that even better. We'd love to know a little more about you. What are you drinking right now if it's interesting and tells us something about you? Or tell me your favorite beverage story. Go ahead, Tom. Well, you're going to love this or you're going to hate it. People usually fall on one side or the other when it comes to my morning beverage. It is, uh, it's warm water with uh, lemon, fresh lemon squeezed in it, 
and uh, a table um, of uh, tablespoon of cider apple cider vinegar, uh, which which yes, my son absolutely despises uh, the smell of. Uh, and uh, it's tried to talk me out of this for a long, long time, but it is my morning beverage, and it kind of, it kind of jump starts me in the morning for whatever reason. You know, apple cider vinegar must have all kinds of uh, health benefits. I don't know if I believe it, but I psychologically have accepted it, and I think it's doing me some good at least on that front. <laughs> well, we have six benefits. I'll just read them to you. Apple cider vinegar is high in acetic acid, which has potent biological effects. I'm not sure if that's what you're going for. Acetic acid is a potent antimicrobial, I can pronounce that too, Tom, and can kill some types of bacteria. It may lower blood sugar levels, which helps diabetics. It, some studies show that it can help with weight loss. It has some benefits for heart health, and it may be protective against cancer. You rest your case, and so do I. Very well done. So now we know the health benefits. Keep drinking the cider vinegar. Uh, thank you. Sherry Ann Meyer, you've done this before. What kind of a drink are you going to talk to us about today? What's in your cup? Oh, my goodness, I'm so uninspiring, but first thing in the morning, and it is early for me yet, I have to have that cup of coffee with just a little cream in it, and I will sit out on my back patio and savor that hot cup of coffee. It gets me started. <laughs> All right, Cherry, and I'm going to ask you, what, what's the name of the coffee brand? What flavor? Is it uh, medium roast? Is it what I call high test? What is it? Caffeine? Oh God, it's, it's pretty high test. It's, well, it's a Starbucks um, blonde roast. Love that. That is my absolute favorite. Thank you very much. And Frank, so, Frank, am I pronouncing your name right, Sophia? Sophia, that is correct. Okay, I'm, I'm hitting it pretty hard here. Frank, Sophia, what are you drinking today? So I'm going to be boring as well, but uh, I've got a six-month-old daughter at home. I've got a pretty demanding job, and I just moved into a new house three weeks ago. So there's really no time ah. to drink anything until about 9 o'clock at night. And my drink of choice is two things. One is either a good Pinot Noir, uh, Mayomi or Etude, for those in California. You probably know them well. Uh, or a Balvany Scotch, single malt, little block of ice, and it goes down smooth. Thank you very much. And by the way, uh, we just got a tweet from a young lady named Marangel Vega, and she says, should work be fun? Listen to my boss's answer to that question on SAP Radio. So who does she work <laughs> with? Is, who, who does she work with? Is she related to you, Frank, or to you, Tom? She is, yeah. She's, she's, she's in the uh, HRT on our enablement team and part of our graduate internship program. So thank you, Mara. You just scored some major brownie points. Thank you, Mara. And by the way, her handle is Spunky Shorty. I'm just going to leave that one alone. She's got a beautiful picture here on Twitter. So, Mara, you just keep listening and tweeting, and we'd love love to see more from you. Heck yes. Okay, says my engineer. Guess what? It's time for us to take our break. I'm afraid we are having fun, and that's a good thing. We are in the flow. I love that term from Tom Kalopoulos. And our panelists today are Tom Kalopoulos from Delphi Group, Sherry Ann Meyer, now with ASUG, A-S-U-G, and Frank Sophia the chief of staff to the EVP of HR at SAP. That's a lot of alphabet soup, Frank, but we know who you are. I'm going to be, going to be Bonnie D. Graham after the break. I still think I am, but we are having fun. Our topic today, very important. It sounds like we're having too much fun, but we're not. The employee engagement dilemma, challenge, issue, scenario, it impacts every company. I don't care if you're a gleam in someone's eye and you're putting together a core team. I don't care if you're a low, mid, or high-end SME, or if you're what 
I call the big behemoth corporation enterprise anywhere in the world, any footprint, any maturity, any industry, any place, employee engagement is key. We've established that. Our part one topic of this little micro mini series for the next three weeks is are they and you having fun yet? We will have answers, I promise, when we come back with the roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Bread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back, and we are talking about employee engagement. This is part one of a three-part micro-mini-series. The topic today is having fun yet. Shout out again to Sherry Ann Meyer, one of our panelists today, who brought me this topic, and we're going to work with her for the next two weeks in addition to today to make this a well-rounded little mini-series. So starting off the roundtable, Tom Kalopoulos at the Delphi Group. Tom has graciously agreed. Well, I appointed him, actually. (laughs) He has graciously agreed. We'll go with that one to kick off the roundtable and hear from Tom's notes some interesting statements. He says, making employee engagement fun is more about taking away the obstacles that prevent it from being fun rather than adding bells and whistles to frustrating processes, tools, and technologies. This sounds like a wake-up call, Tom. It sounds like a reality check to companies, not only for employee engagement, but for improving what you're offering your, your marketplace. Don't just take away, just add bells and whistles. Do something about the sticking point. So why don't you expand this in the context of employee engagement? Tom, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bonnie, I'm sort of pulling the fire alarm with, with this one, and, and you're mm-hmm. right, I, it is a wake-up call. I want folks to to, uh, to take some action here. One of the things that, that has always amazed me is we talk about, you know, thinking out of the box, thinking out of the box, and, and what we're doing very often when we, when we talk about getting out of the box is we're just creating more and more distractions that aren't necessarily helping us accomplish whatever it is that we have at hand. And I'll give you a quick, very quick story. My son, who's now... 16, two, three years ago, I was trying to draw a picture of someone thinking out of the box, and he looked over my shoulder and said, oh, you're doing the thinking out of the box thing, Dad. I said, yeah, that's really good, Adam. He said to me, brilliant child, he said to me, Dad, what do you do if you can't get out of the box? I was dumbfounded. I said, hey, I don't know, Adam. What would you do? He looked at me, and Bonnie, honest to God, he said to me, you know what, Dad? I would decorate it very nicely. 
I thought, whoa, isn't that, isn't that brilliant? It's what we do with our jobs, our companies, our lives. We don't want to be there, so we decorate it. You know, we put stuff in there to make it more interesting, more distracting. It's not about just putting some games in place, about putting a pool table in there, a tennis table, you know, a basketball hoop. That's not the kind of fun we're talking about. The kind of fun we're talking about is getting people to want to be there, to want to be there to do Whatever it is they're tasked with doing, that's fun. It's, it's fulfilling. It's satisfying. It, it enriches me. And, and Frank said this. We want to be part of something greater than, than, than who we are. And a pool table isn't going to do that for me, right? It's not the, the, the food at the cafeteria. It is wanting to be there because I'm part of a purpose. And that sense of purpose is the most fun any of us can, can have. So get away, you know, get rid of the distractions and help people to focus on why they're there. What's the purpose of their being there? And for millennials and Gen Zers, hey, if you don't have a purpose, they won't be there for long. Trust me on this. Exactly. And Tom, very well put. Uh, we've had many shows discussing the M generation and the Y generation. And that seems to be one of their mantras, one of their basic requirements, one of their daily food groups, if you will, for taking a job is what's my purpose? What am I contributing? Why am I, why the heck am I here? And f- fun might come along the way. But I, I sense, Frank, that, I'm sorry, Tom, that along the way, uh, boomers like me still want that purpose. We want to know we're contributing to something. We want to have a, a raison d'etre for being in that company, yeah. in that job. Sherry Ann, talk to me, Sherry Ann. You're next on our panel. I want to have your comments on what Tom said, please. Go ahead. Well, you're what up. What you're saying resonates with me so well because that's why I joined ASAG, left my former company and joined ASAG because there was a purpose here. So that's really, really important to me. Um, and I think sometimes young people, actually, I have two young daughters who are 22 and 24, um, and I think sometimes they take themselves too seriously. So I've often tried to coach them with, you know, the bigger scheme of things, you know, insert a little humor into this. This isn't the World Trade Center, for example. This is just life, you know. And I think that message to all generations is really important. Um, there's serious work to be done. You have a purpose here. But let's not take ourselves too seriously. And let's get up from our desks once in a while and walk around and give our brains time to relax and think creatively. Thank you very much, Frank Sophia. Let's get your two cents or your ten dollars worth on this one. What do you think? So your uh, your comments, Tom, really hit the heart. So I'm a millennial. I think I'm the only millennial on this call. But uh, <laughs> you know, the the ability to do what you do best every day is really what drives me, and I think is really what what creating you know fun in an environment, a work environment, is all about. Right? It's removing the obstacles. It's about running simple, and uh, you know, I think uh, being able to align what we do best to the higher purpose is a winning combination. So really resonates with me. I think you're spot on, Tom. Yeah, Thank don't you, you love it, Frank, when people get uh, uh, this conversation going about millennials and all the things that millennials bring to the table that aren't so great, and you're sitting right there as a millennial, and they don't even realize you're there at the table. I, I think we, we so often we dismiss these new behaviors as just being sort of naive youth, when in fact, you know, these are very important behaviors. They're going to shape our organizations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I honestly think, don't think we're that different either. So I love your comment in right. the beginning, which was, uh, I'll use the word trash, even though, since we're not on Twitter, buddy. Uh, you know, I, I really do believe that, you know, we're one and the same. Everybody wants a higher purpose. Everybody wants to do what they do best every day. Everybody likes to have fun. I think one difference, slight difference, is I think the millennial generation is just less tolerant. And, uh, and that, that brings mm-hmm. up uh, perhaps a new, a new conversation, Bonnie. 
That's a, a great point there, and we'll, we'll try to cover that later. Thank you, Frank. Guess what? We're going to move along. I'm going to try and cover as many of the topics my three panelists sent me before the show, so let's keep this conversation moving quickly. Sherry Ann Meyer, I'm looking at a very telling statement here. You say, fun, in quotes, is either part of your culture or it isn't, and then you say, recognize and encourage diversity, lead with example, but you don't have to turn your culture upside down on its head to create a fun workplace. Why don't you expand this for us, Sherry Ann? Well, I think some of the the best bosses I've worked for have brought that sense of humor to work. And they didn't put in ping pong tables, they didn't put in, you know, fancy game machines or anything like that, Um, but they led by their attitude and their beliefs and their ability to let people know that they can succeed even in the worst of times, going back to Dumbledore, um, as long as they can relax and be themselves and be creative. And so... I think that's really a call to action to leaders to use your employees' talents to their best abilities, to not box them in. Uh, we talked about the box before, right? And mm-hmm. what do you do with the box if you can't get out of the box? Well, <clears throat> one of the problems I see is that a lot of what we do is put people into boxes that they're not comfortable in. So let them be themselves. Um, and, you know, form a relationship with them that is comfortable and that brings some sense of fun to the workplace because it's more relaxed. I like that. Relaxed is good, but working hard is good, too. And we need to find that medium in the middle there. Frank, Sophia, thoughts on what Sherry Ann just, uh, just added? Yeah, I would agree. I don't, I don't think companies need to turn their culture upside down. And I don't think, you know, adding the ping pong tables or the basketball courts mm-hmm. um, are, are going to make the difference, right? I, I think what it's about, it's all about getting people connected, right? And I think that's really where, where the, the big differentiator is. It's about the behaviors and, and bringing different, different ideas and innovation and, you know, really bringing people together to perhaps solve problems. That, to me, is what, is what fun's all about. And those other perks are designed to do just that, right, to bring people together. But if you're not driving that actively and trying to bring that culture into your organization, all the other perks are not going to make a difference. They're just going to be a lot of money you know, on your bottom line. And people are going to say to their friends, I had the best time at work. And their friends or family might say, did you get any work done? And we will get to that <laughs> later. Tom Kalopoulos, thoughts on what Sherry Ann introduced and Frank already commented on. Talk to me. Yeah, so look, you know, we've all been there, right? We've all been in these organizations where there just there's a lack of, of fun. There's a lack of flow. There's a lack of sense of connectedness and a, and a purpose for, for her being there. I, I love that Frank, as a millennial, is providing this sense of intolerance that millennials bring, which is a good thing, by the way. I think this intolerance is, is, is holding us, holding our feet to the fire. It's sort of keeping us on point here. Um, millennials and Gen Z really do believe deep in their hearts, it's not a naive belief, it's a very deep belief, that transparency is critical. You know, let me see what's going on in the organization, let me be part of it, let me be engaged. That's not what we typically think of as fun, right? But again, I draw you back to the experiences that you've had in your life where you felt, wow, what a great team. That feeling is because you're enjoying the moment. You, you want to be part of that team. You know you can accomplish more in that context than you can anywhere else. And it's because of that sense of flow. It's because of that, that sense of, of connectedness. And uh, that's, a, that's the most fun you can have as a human being, I think, is to be connected. That's what we want as human beings more than anything else. We want to transcend ourselves and be part of something greater, something that's more meaningful. And you can't do that if you're not in the flow. You can't do that if you're not having fun. 
You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, part of be, be a part of something. I think that's whether you're working, whether you're playing, whether you're retired, whether you're starting. We want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. I think that's the bottom line. Sherry Ann, I have a question from a listener. It happens to be Mara Vega, who works at Frank <laughs> Sophia. And the question is, she's on Twitter. She says, Sherry Ann, so fun should start at the top. Do you think executives are open to that? Sherry Ann, quick answer. What do you say to Mara? I don't think all executives are open to that because I don't think Mm -hmm. executives are all the same as employees aren't all the same and hence back to the diversity of not um, so much gender or race but of thought, of style, of humor Um, and being open to accepting things and have open discussions about what you just heard. You know, if you've misinterpreted something, I think it's incumbent upon you when someone's using humor to clarify with them, not take offense to it. And I think leaders can help us do that by demonstrating that they're casual, they're relaxed, they can say something funny once in a while, they can ask for clarification instead of judging. I had a boss once, Sherry Ann, who loved to have her own brand of fun. She would come into my office at about 5.01, look for anything I had written during the day. I was a marketing manager for her. And she would redline everything where she didn't like my grammar or my punctuation. And then she'd leave me a note. It's 5.01. Why did you leave early today? That was her brand of fun. I wasn't having fun. Let's leave that one on the table. Frank Sophia, there were all kinds of fun. Frank Sophia, I'm looking at your, your notes here also. Thank you for sending so much good information. And Let's get down to the core of this. You ask a question, I'm going to ask you to answer it. You say, does fun in the workplace make employees more efficient or less efficient at their jobs? And that really, uh, going back to Mara's question, you think executives are open to that. I think if we can answer that question, are they going to get more productivity, more engagement, more efficiency, more commitment from the employees if they make it fun? The answer is probably yes. Frank, what has your research shown? Yeah, so I think there's there's mixed research, right? There are there are many articles out there that would suggest uh, fun in the workplace improves employee retention. It also improves productivity. It also re- improves um, you know health healthcare costs, et cetera. And there are some competing viewpoints, particularly in the hospitality industry, is something I found quite interesting. Um, you know, it improves retention, but doesn't necessarily improve productivity. And I think you know the the clear, clear takeaway here is it's it's mixed. But in my humble opinion in the environment I'm in, particularly in the high-tech industry, um, I believe that there are huge benefits to creating fun. Again, it comes back to how you create fun or what, how you define fun. And it's all about being connected. It's all about meaningful work. Um, you know, the Googles, the LinkedIn, the Zappos, they, they have figured it out, right? They've got the winning combination. They've got a higher purpose. And everyone, if you talk to folks who are from those organizations, I was at LinkedIn a couple months ago, they understand what it is they're trying to do. They're trying to connect the world. Same thing with Google, Zappo is similar. And, you know, it's part of their DNA. And I think, um, I think the key here is, you know, you've got to be able to manage it. You've got to be able to harness the power of, of, of this. It's, it's not necessarily a good thing just to offer all of these perks. Um, and obviously, you mentioned earlier, with a lot of people doing, you know, having fun but not necessarily doing a lot of, of work or producing a lot of results. Um, and I think it comes with being able to, balance bringing in fun in the environment at the same time, you know, setting some expectations around, you know, what we expect. And it, that, that brings in, in my opinion, the leadership element to this. Um, it's mm-hmm. not just about bringing in fun things or getting people connected, but it's bringing them together and getting them connected and for a purpose. Um, so I believe there's huge benefits. I believe that fun in the workplace, depending on how you define it, for me it's about meaningful work. Um, is critical and has huge impacts on productivity. 
Thank you. Tom Kalapolis, join us. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I'll give you a quick thought. As Frank was talking, this, this occurred mm-hmm. to me. You know, in the companies that, that I've built, that I've run, at the end of the day, what I find people are most drawn to is the enjoyment they get out of taking a risk and getting through it as a team and sometimes pulling it off. But pulling it off is actually secondary. It's taking that risk. So if I put you in the setting of a carnival, not a business or enterprise, but a carnival, what's fun is going on the roller coaster, right, playing the games, taking a risk, doing something which exhilarates you. People like that. They're drawn to that. And as a leader, if you're authentic, if you put your vulnerability out there, and if you take those risks and make those risks apparent to people, um, there's nothing we love more than being able to pull it off, to somehow defy nature and as a team do something that we couldn't do individually. That is fun. So I think a big part of what we're doing in this conversation, Bonnie, is, is giving some substance to a word that is otherwise just kind of thrown about very casually. It's a small word, you know, three letters, but yet it means so much. And to us as human beings, taking that risk, pulling it off, being part of a team, mm-hmm. having purpose, all these things ultimately are meaningful and they put a smile on our face because it causes us to get to some place that we couldn't have gotten otherwise. Heck, that is, that's fun. That's fun. Interesting. I, agree, I have a, um, Go ahead, Sherry. Know, what I wonder is, is sometimes that not everyone is like that. Because I've led teams where I'm kind of like that. I'm taking risks, I'm pulling people together and we're pulling it off, but I feel like some people really love to work in that environment and some people don't thrive in that kind of environment. And so I guess that gets us back to the full circle to the diversity issue of recognizing the specific talents and work abilities of Mm -hmm. each person on your team. Sherry Ann, let me expand that and, and ask a question. Uh, one of our, our tweeters and listeners, uh, Karen Heraldo, just posed a question. Is it leadership's job to make sure everyone is having fun, everyone is in the flow? Sometimes, uh, square peg, round hole. I, I think the phrase has been used, you don't want to take everybody off the bus. Maybe you leave some people on and let them go to the next stop. I don't know. Sherry Ann, why don't you see if you can answer that, and then I'll ask Tom and Frank, and then we'll get back on track with, with the notes from my panelists. Sherry Ann, what do you think? I think that it's not leadership's job to make everybody have fun. I think that's a work style, a leadership style that mm-hmm. can be adapted. I think it's leadership's job to say it's okay. Your work style is okay. And however you get your job done, as long as the job is done, or however you motivate your team to get your job done, that's okay. I'm accepting of that. Okay. Frank, what do yeah. you think? Yeah, I, I or, think leaders are, yeah. are accountable for three things. Developing amazing talent, ensuring customer success, and driving simplicity. Those are, in my opinion, the, the three key roles of a leader. And, you know, if you think about it in the context of fun, I, I do think it is their responsibility to create challenging opportunities um, to encourage their employees to take risks, to Tom's point, which I think is a great point, um, and ultimately to remove obstacles from their way so that they can do mm-hmm. what they do best every day. So. I do think there is leadership accountability to create fun, you know, small word, but huge meaning, um, you know, in the workforce. Thank you. I want to talk about, uh, Tom, I'm going to go back to you. I'm looking at your notes, and you can answer that, but I, I want to veer into sure. a slightly different direction. We, we use the phrase very often, risk-reward, and, and now we're talking about maybe I'm risking saying I'm having fun at work. I don't know if that's not the culture. Maybe that is risky behavior. However, you say most companies simply do not reward for the behavior of engagement. Instead, they reward for the output of engagement. And you add, that's like trying to create effective customer support by measuring the time it takes to close a service call. OMG. Right. Okay. <laughs> Tom, let's go with this one. Are we rewarding engagement? And how do you do that if we don't have as much efficiency, but we're having a lot of fun going back to that thread? What do you see? 
Yeah, so as leaders, what we have to do is give people license, give them confidence, and give them courage. Uh, and, and part of that is focusing on the process of getting to some end result. If all you measure is that end result, you might as well be running a factory and measuring just the defects that come off at the end of the assembly line. That's not the way factories are run, right? You, you manage the process. And, and that's part of what I'm trying to get across with, with that statement, Bonnie, is that as leaders, we give people license to, uh, to, to do things that sometimes, you know, they cut across the culture. They're not necessarily in the box that we exist in, but we give them the license exactly. to do that, to, to, to fail a little bit, um, you mm-hmm. know, to take the to take to take that risk, and that's 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 what a leader is there to do is to give you that that protected space where where you're able to uh, to, to take those to take those risks. The reward is not just at the end. We're, look, we're in business, right? We have a bottom line. Mm-hmm. We've got to be profitable. We have to make our stockholders and our stakeholders happy. We all understand that. But the way we get to that bottom line is by focusing on the process. The same way that you build good cars, you don't just measure the defects when you finally sell the darn thing and the customer comes back and says this isn't working. And that's why I hate this notion of measuring customers support by how quickly you close the darn call. Um, the yep. measure is, you know, are you engaged? Are you helping the customer? Do you want to be there to help? And we all know is when someone on the other phone, right, is, is that person, <laughs> that, they want to help you or do they not? We know if they, if they do or they don't. Uh, if they do, guess what? By definition, they're having fun. They're engaged. They're part of that process. We're rewarding their behavior, not just the end result. And you know what? The customer might rate the quality of that customer service call by how many minutes it took because the customer is busy. They are otherwise engaged. So they might say, wow, Frank or Bob or, or Mark or, or Barbara handled that call, and I was in and out with the right answer and with exactly what I was looking for in 1.3 minutes. I've never had a better customer service call. That might be the output measure of success on the customer side, but certainly not on its own as a standalone measure on the company side. Tom, reality check. Uh, how many companies say to their employees, fail fast, fail often, Bob, it's okay. Oh. We have a culture of forgiving and experimentation. As long as you're engaged, it's okay. You can fail twice out of every 15 tasks we give you, and we'll still love you. What's the reality of this, Tom? Yeah, we, are, we all know the answer to that. Unfortunately, far, far too few in my, in my experience. The, the case studies are out there. The 3Ms are out there. The, you know, the Googles are out there. We talk about this a lot, but the reality is that very, very few companies actually do it in, in practice. And, and by the way, my counsel to, to, to leaders is very simple. You don't have to encourage big failures. Put, it, put, you know, mm-hmm. put some boundaries on it. This is the budget. If the failure you know, costs us this much, it's okay. You, know, you, can, you can take that money and you can play with it. You can make hedge bets. But put some boundaries on what it means to... To, uh, to have an acceptable failure. We, we're so shy to do that, and I think that really leads us to, uh, to a point where people get uh, just very risk-averse. They, they shut down, and they stop yep. trying. They stop, they stop being creative. because it's, and, it's and then they say, I didn't have fun at work today because I had something creative I wanted to do, and I knew my boss was going to, I don't know, slap me on the side of the head or, I don't know, or, or put, uh, what, put something on my car so I couldn't leave the parking lot until right. I was done. What do you call it when you put something? Yeah, anyway, never mind. I digress. Sherry Ann, <laughs> anything you want to add to this part of the conversation? And then I'll bring in Frank as well. So many things are running through my head right now, Bonnie. And Good. Know, one of the things I would add is that, you know, if you're not letting, if you have a creative person in your organization, because I have a creative mindset, my children have creative mindsets, and if they're not able to express that on a daily basis, they're not productive. Their minds are swirling and swirling and swirling and not getting to solve the, the issue in their mind, which is the output of creativity. And I think it's corporations today need creativity. So I think there's room for a lot more space for um, that type of creative worker and giving them the room to to be creative and take a risk and perhaps fail. 
um, within boundaries, of course, because, of course, as you said, there's shareholders that have to be kept happy. Um, but, you know, it also occurs to me that there's something I'm very measurement opposed, KPI, KPI opposed, although I know they're mm-hmm. necessary too, because yep. there's something that can't be measured, and that's the lack of dissatisfaction in a customer interaction, for example. Mm, that's interesting, the lack of customer dissatisfaction. That's what you said, right? Right. And that's a double negative, which means a positive. I, I've never heard it put that way. I like that. Frank, Sophia, we need to get you into this conversation. We're continuing to move from topic to topic because we have so much to cover. Frank, thoughts on what Tom and Sherry just Sherry Ann just added? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree, right? So I think the importance is to create a, a learning culture. Uh, I was at Box a few months ago, um, and their motto is, fail often, learn fast, and get excellent done. And I think it fits really nicely into this, right? Not not all cultures are like that, but I think the, the key here is to create a culture that really promotes taking risks, promotes um, learning, and obviously still holds the organization accountable. Right? It's okay to take risks and to fail, but learn fast, move forward, get stuff done. And, um, you know, I think that, that what Tom and what Sherry Ann had mentioned really resonated with me. It comes back to building a learning culture. Thank you very much, and I'm moving on to another topic, a very interesting one. I alluded to this in my opening about your your employees who were on-site and virtual, but let's extend this. sherri I'm looking at your notes, and you say contingent labor is changing the way we work, and there can be unforeseen side effects to this part of the workforce. You say as people move from one workplace to the other, from one job to the other, from one team to the other, the idea of team, T-E-A-M, that remains fairly stable, it's gone. Sherry Ann, what is the real, what do you really observe? Is this a bad thing? Is this going to interfere with the stability of the workplace and the ability to have this happy, fun, productive, engaged, doing something together, uh, ethic or ethos or experience? Talk to me. Well, it has been disrupting contingent labor, Mm -hmm. especially in the IT space. I mean, over the years, Many companies have outsourced, for example, their SAP support. But it doesn't have to, if you have the right leaders and individuals in place and you allow them to have a sense of fun and build a family and build a new team with those people in whatever ways they can, it can be very, very successful. Um, and I experienced that with the team I managed um, that was an outsourced team. And, you know, it, they were very serious people because they were contracted to us and they felt they had to be very professional. But when you broke down the barriers and actually joked with them a little bit or made light of things, they opened up. And the sheer fact of opening up on personal things or with a smile meant that they opened up more with their ideas. And that flow that Tom was talking about was created. And so even though we weren't in the same time zone, there was a commitment to each other to want to do well because we cared about each other. We created that kind of team, family, team spirit across the miles and found ways to collaborate and make things happen on the deadlines that we had established for ourselves. So it can be done, um, but this is a new model, and it takes strong leaders to say, go ahead, do that, you know, step out of your shell and um, create opportunities to engage in different ways that are perhaps non-professional. 
Smile through it. Sherry Ann, I have to bring up a lyric. I, when somebody on one of our shows says something that just piques my interest, we had somebody who, who used a line that was so close to a line from uh, Sadie, Sadie, Married Lady, a song Barbara Streisand sang on stage and in the movie from Funny Girl. I actually read the lyrics from the, the song on the air. So what you just said are, are part of really the lyrics of it. An old, old Nat King Cole song. Smile though your heart is aching. Smile even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by if you smile through your fear and sorrow smile and maybe tomorrow you'll see the sun come shining through for you there we go so keep smiling at work that's one of our messages frank sophia what do you think about all of this uh, contingent labor or contingent workforce is, uh, is a pretty interesting trend right i think some predict that the 40 percent of the workforce globally will be freelancers or contingent labor uh, by 2020 that's five years away so i do think this is a a disruptive trend but in a good way and the reason why is I actually, I actually approach the employee-employer contract as more of an alliance, right? I have something to gain, and you have something to gain. And as long as those two are in balance, um, everything is great, <laughs> and uh, we'll continue to move forward. And I think it's really forcing organizations not only looking at their temporary workforce, but also their permanent workforce, is how do I strengthen that alliance between employer and employer, uh, employee, excuse me. So, you know, again, that flow, right? I love that, that term, Tom. I'm going to steal it. Um, shamefully, um, <laughs> I will feel that the flow, um, you know, bringing people into the flow and making sure that we're constantly looking at, you know, how we are engaging our people. Um, do we give them the opportunity to do what they do best every day? Are they aligned to the higher purpose? And if they're not, or if the alliance or balance is not in balance, um, then we perhaps need to go to our different ways. And that's okay. I think companies mm-hmm. need to embrace that. Good point. Very, very good point. Go your separate ways. Get back on the bus and go to the next stop. Um, Tom, I want your comments on this, and then I'm going to try and squeeze in one more quick topic from Frank's notes before we lurch headlong or slide headlong into home plate for the crystal ball predictions round. So, Tom, thoughts on this? Yeah, well, really quickly, the, the, so that you can borrow the, the flow all, all you want, uh, Frank. It, it, I'll actually give credit <laughs> to a good friend of mine, Judy Glick-Smith, who wrote an article just a few days ago, brought this top of mind, and, and Judy wrote an article called Flow-Based uh, Leadership, and it was an article that she, she ran in uh, Integral Leadership Review, is the name of the, uh, the, the publication. So Judy talks about this notion of flow. She's been studying it for, for years and years, and she's the one that turned me on to it. Uh, so it's really not a new concept, definitely not one that, that I coined, but one that I believe in, you know, uh, lock, stock, and barrel. My only comment, Bonnie, is that mm-hmm. so much of, at the end of the day, so much of the reason that we, we work uh, is because we want to recreate ourselves. We want, to, we want the license to be able to create someone that we'll be proud of. And the degree to which you can enjoy that, you can have fun doing that, is absolutely going to reflect back on how well you do your job. There's, just, there's no way you can extricate one from, from, from the other. And I've always looked at, at work as a way that we can create ourselves or recreate ourselves, cast ourselves in some form that we will be proud of. And if that doesn't put a smile on your face, then obviously you're, not, you're, not, you know, you're just not doing the right job. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not listening. Oh, by the way, Judy Glicksmith, G-L-I-C-K hyphen S-M-I-T-H, is the founder and president and CEO of Mentor Factor, one word, Mentor Factor, Inc. She has a Ph.D. in transformative studies from an institute in California. So just wanted to give that little piece of information, everybody. That. Oh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm pretty quick on the look up here, and I love to do it when my guests bring up interesting points <laughs> and interesting people. Sherry Ann knows that. Frank, Sophia, we're going to try and squeak in one more quick topic. We have 
six minutes left of the show, and I have to give each of you at least 60 seconds. Well, I'm going to give you 60 seconds for predictions. Frank, let's talk about this quickly. I'm very concerned here. You say human resources, a topic that's near and dear to you and your role. Human resources gets a bad rap as we are seen often as the anti-fun police cracking down on anything that makes the workplace more lively. OMG. Frank, what are you doing about this bad rap? Talk to me. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, I, I probably a little bold. Right? I don't think we're viewed as the anti-fun police, but I do think <laughs> that often HR has a, a negative, negative brand, um, particularly when you talk about fun and HR. And uh, I'm here to tell you that HR is cool, uh, and, and we are fun, and we want to create fun. And I think um, within our own organization at SAP, we are really starting the culture conversation at every level. Right? We're rebranding what it means to be a leader. We're rebranding our behaviors at SAP um, and really, really growing a, a learning culture within SAP. It's okay to fail. It's okay to take risks. We want to be the innovators of, of the high-tech industry. And HR is, is driving those conversations. But we're also introducing HR technology, which plays a critical role, in my opinion, in, in creating fun. And it's all about getting people connected. Right? We're able to now connect people across the world um, you know, on a, on a, on a uh, topic that they're passionate about, the social structing concept, right? how Wikipedia came about. Um, you know, that is what um, has really been successful for us, is getting people connected with a common goal or, or an interesting topic and giving them the opportunity to solve problems on their own, to learn and to, uh, to recreate themselves a bit, as Tom would put it. Frank, when you talked about using technology in HR, so much of what we're doing is we're allowing people to form these communities that they have great affinity uh, for, that they're aligned with. And, and if the organization is part of that community, wonderful. It makes me that much more interested in being there, being part of that, of that mission. We couldn't do that in the past. You know, HR was sort of a, ended up being you know, the narrow end of the funnel. But now you can broaden that funnel enormously by using technology and allowing people to form these communities and affinities. And that's a huge part of how uh, Gen Z self-organizes. We talked about Zappos earlier, their whole holacracy approach to organization is let everyone be a leader. You know, let everyone take a stab at it. And some will and some won't, but give everyone the opportunity. And, and that's what's really cool, I think, about the direction we're Tom, going in. thank you. 30 seconds prediction, Sherry and Meyer, go. Okay, so I think we've gone from the industrial workplace to offices that are 40 hours a week and now to virtual offices. And where I see us going is to work-life balance that's really balanced, but where my work is totally integrated into my life and who I am. And that's going to require as much of me, as much of me, the average employee, putting into how I lead my life and lead others as it is of my employer. Thank you very much. And let's go to Frank Sophia. Predictions, uh, 30 seconds. Hit it. So I think uh, the idea of creating fun in the workplace is going to take on a whole new meeting. We're starting to see companies create roles fully focused on how to create fun. The perks are becoming outrageous. I'm waiting for the free flight space. Um, but I think what organizations are really going to find is that it doesn't really matter you know, about the slide or the perks, et cetera. It's all about the culture. And I think you're going to start to see a cultural revolution across every organization. Thank you very much. I have to thank my three extraordinarily interesting and engaged, oh, what a good word, engaged panelists today. Thank you, Tom Kalopoulos from Delphi Group. Thank you, Sherry Ann Meyer. Now with ASUG, coming to an ASUG roundtable near you. And thank you, Frank Sophia, uh, the Chief of Staff to the EVP of HR. And by the way, Mara said on Twitter, yay, HR is cool. And apparently there's a hashtag 
Frank, there's a hashtag. HR is cool. So we'll have to check that out after the show. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This has been a very interesting conversation here on Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. Shout out to Mara and to Karen, our tweeters extraordinaire. And thank you to Brad, our, our engineer on the business channel team at World Talk Radio. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course. Well, tomorrow I'll be back with another live show. I can't even remember. We have four shows that rotate on Thursdays. It'll be one of them. Just tune in 10 a.m. tomorrow Eastern on the business channel. I will be there i promise you and i just want to say here's my call to action you know what's coming fasten your seatbelt. what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today have a great one bye bye thanks again for tuning in to coffee break with game changers presented by sap the best run businesses run sap to keep the coffee break conversation going tweet your questions and comments to twitter hashtag pound sign sap r-a-d-i-o Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.